So thank you for taking the time well, uh, to, to speak with us today. And and my, my first question uh, is you uh, to you is, of course, about running. And, and mm. if you could just give us a sense of when you started mm. running, when were those first steps, and, and why have you stuck with it for so long? Okay. Well, my first running was in uh, high school. And uh, the high school, which we integrated, uh, I was one of four children in Shepherdstown High School in West Virginia in 1957. And uh, as my uncle, uh, cousin really, uh, got me interested in running. As I said, he took me to the old armory in New York in Harlem, where we were, not in Harlem, we uh, learned about track. I mean, this is when I was like seven or eight years old in, in, in New York, in Harlem. And so that introduction to running, uh, the old armory in New York uh, City, caused me to have an interest so that in high school, uh, I went out for the track team. And uh, I ran the 440 yard dash, and I also ran a, some sprints, uh, 100 and 200. After graduate school, I sort of took off when I was in uh, college and graduate school and after I got out I said well I need to uh, be fit and so I started running and uh, basically it was when I came down here to Atlanta was when I really got into that in uh, a big way I guess you might say and one of the things that I found that there were very few distance runners because I was a sprinter at first and I decided well I wanted to do that and uh, then afterwards, I began to see a few guys running around the neighborhood where I lived in Adams Park. And then one of my best friends, Jim Lemon, said, why don't we start a running club? And then that's what happened. Uh, we would go to little races after we were running before. You know, we would uh, run uh, 5Ks and things like that. And then we gradually uh, got interested in longer races. And so we run, ran the 10K. And lo and behold, the uh, Atlanta Track Club was there. Uh, they started in 70. And then after that, we basically uh, developed and we helped other clubs. Uh, we formed the club in 1979. So we celebrated our 40th year uh, last year. And we started running half marathons and full marathons and doing 15Ks throughout the nation, basically, the Crescent City 10K, the Jacksonville 15K, and things of that nature. When you started running, and you were ahead of that first running boom, uh, and you were one of the first runners in Atlanta, but for the most part, outside of South Fold running, running partners, were all the runners white? Yes, for the most part. Uh, that's how we ran into each other and began to see a few more uh, running the 5Ks. There was one that the television station, CBS, uh, uh, put on and there was a couple by organizations and then even a few by schools and so we decided that uh, we needed to uh, go after those partners to get them not only interested in our club and uh, we would instead we, we would primarily try to get other people interested and one of the things that uh, we tried to do after each race was to find and it was very easy the black runners and say, hey, are you guys, are you serious about running? Do you want to do some things? Do you want to do some community uh, stuff as well? And so that's how we rounded up the other members. Clearly, you've been a leader in, in the black running community, the mm -hmm. African-American mm -hmm. running community. Uh, what do you see 
today out there in terms of representation, in terms of the numbers of people in the black community who are running? And, and what do you think of the organizations that have followed like Black Men Run and, mm -hmm. and, and Black, black Girls Run and, so and Running Nerds? And, exactly. Yes. Yeah, actually, about four years ago, uh, we organized those groups into a unity summit. And we said, look, guys, we have to do some things more. It's not only about health and fitness, which we are priority, but we said that we need to come together because we can do better and bigger things by doing that. So we had, and we invited five of those groups, like the Running Nerds and the uh, uh, Running, you know, well, several, several of those clubs. And then we had, we, we invited them to a run out at the Welcome All Park in South Fulton. And then that's when we pulled together and we said, well, let's put on a race. And so three years ago, we actually had that. It's called The Race. And we had like, uh, I think about 1,500 runners the first time. Uh, and so we have hooked together and we have also uh, done that race for the last couple of years and we give uh, the proceeds to uh, some black nonprofit organizations and even have helped some of the uh, black businesses and tried to uh, get them to come together and to do some things in the community and things of that nature. So it's been a, uh, a good fit and we plan to continue to do it. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do it uh, this year, but it has grown considerably and we have to find a bigger venue with more parking places and things. That's a good problem to have. Yes, it is. So I understand it's, it's not your job, a guy who's been in the running community for decades here in Atlanta, uh, to, to, to give Atlanta Track Club guidance on the mm -hmm. issues of, of race and running. Um, but mm -hmm. if you were me, what do you think Atlanta Track Club can do in the running community to further a, mm -hmm. a constructive conversation on race? I get the sense at, at events, both Atlanta Track Club and, and others around the community, mm -hmm. that when you are at a, at a, at a running event in Atlanta, uh, the, the issue of, of race um, and the challenges that this country face are minimized. We feel as I feel as if we can have a real candid conversation mm -hmm. like we are mm -hmm. right now. Outside of, of the running community, there are challenges. Sure. How how can we lead this conversation? Well, I think it's important to, first to listen, as my grandmother said. The good Lord gave us uh, uh, two ears and one mouth, uh, and so the idea is you have to listen and try to understand as best you can since you haven't actually had the experiences that we've had uh, and I've had it from the early years and, and many uh, you know, black uh, individuals, runners, whatever, uh, we've experienced probably in our individual lives. I was one of four people in West Virginia to integrate the high school uh, in Shepherdstown and then uh, uh, there are problems even in the legislature, which I served, and we found discrimination there and people not understanding and doing things which they shouldn't. But I think the first thing, as I said, is to try to understand our situation and what it has been and our historical experiences. And I think those who are interested in improving race relations, and I think the Atlanta Track, track Hub has been a great example. Uh, I've known the executive director, former executive director, Julie Emmons, for years, and we 
talk all the time. We're church members. We go to the same church. And we want them to really say, to understand that there are some things that are race-based and that there is continued discrimination in terms of everything from housing, in terms of uh, job discrimination and, and things of that nature. And you have to understand that there's a lot of belief that there will never be a coming together. I'm an optimist, and I've experienced uh, in running perhaps more than any other uh, thing that I've been involved in. Uh, when I did a lot of traveling, did a lot of work for the United Nations, uh, and even when you're in places like New York, it's amazing that it just seems like there's, there's a uniqueness about running. Uh, color hasn't really meant uh, what it has in those other kinds of situations. And that I've been running in Central Park in New York, and you would see a white female who is running, and maybe I'm running at the same pace, and we might start talking about that. There doesn't seem fear. Well, you just got shorts and things. There's no idea of a weapon or anything being used. But I think the idea is that we need to recognize and sit down to have more integrated uh, organizations and talking about these issues. And I think that color seems to be less and less of an issue with uh, runners than any other group of individuals that I've seen. And I think you need to sort of try to build on that. You need to set up more organizational meetings of black and white uh, and come together and to try to recognize that we're in this thing together. We're all Americans. Uh, we're interested in people uh, learning from each other. We're interested in people uh, doing things together to help the community in a broad-based way. And I think that that's something that the track club can do and several members, board members and individual members, have in fact done that, and I think that you need to build on that base and try to, uh, to bring us together. Running in the United States as a black man, uh, any different than running in a different country? Not really, when I think about it. You know, I mean, in running in Russia, I mean, people will wave when you, you go by. Uh, in uh, South Africa, Johannesburg, and Cape Town, uh, and even when I did work in Nigeria, we actually would go to the embassies, the U.S. Embassy there, and there were groups of runners. They were from France, they were from Italy, that, and you would go there, and we'd set up a time, and we'd do that. If I were there like for a month or so doing some work, then they would do that, and it just, it's just, just amazing, and as I said, it's the race-less, most raceless I think, uh, uh, activity that I've ever been involved in. And uh, I, I feel that, I don't know what there is about runners, but we all have one thing in common. And we start out, and if you're there for a month or so, then you also may have drinks at night and things at night. It just sort of has happened. And uh, I think it's been a good start with, between the running club, uh, South Fulton Running Partner, and uh, the uh, Atlanta Track Club that is almost a role model in terms of the fact that we have done so many things together over more than three decades that we need to take what we've learned from that and try to spread it uh, broad and, and, and wide. Is this a political discussion? Because there are people who say to me, in the organization, members of mm -hmm. Atlanta Track Club, 
who say, be very careful, you don't want politics to enter into what you do as a running organization. Well, we don't want politics to enter, but it's a fact of life, and it's almost impossible to escape. It's the political, it's the social, it's an economic, and all other kinds of things, all of the above, so to speak. And I think the idea is that we have to recognize that uh, politics plays such a significant role in the life of the country that you have to include politics in it. You can't just sort of uh, compartmentalize it to the point where you don't deal with it because so many other things are impacted by politics. I mean, in the schools and the funding of schools, in terms of the uh, uh, the uh, activities that uh, folks uh, you know engage in, in terms of employment and hiring and things of that nature. So you almost have to do that because politics controls so much of all of the other things in the society. And I feel that uh, you you have to bring it up. You know, they always talk about the elephant in the room. It may be politics uh, right now. We have that situation where it's impossible to sep separate health care from politics because politics controls how much money is for health care, who's eligible for health care, and things of that nature. So once you enter a meaningful conversation, you got to combine the, the, the politic, political, the educational, the social, and things of that nature. And that's what we have to say. We can't ignore it because of the disparities that have developed you know, over the last uh, several uh, centuries does in fact create inequities and you have to say I have to deal with all of these things at once because it's, it's impossible not to. Do you see anything different today in, no. in, this, in this social justice conversation, in, in this admission that everyone needs to say Black Lives Matter? Do you see anything different today that you didn't see in the, in the, in the 60s and the Civil Rights Movement? Yeah, I, I think there has been significant progress. Uh, it hasn't been enough, and we can't uh, take the uh, position that uh, once you solve this one thing that you can let the others go because they're going to creep in on that. And my notion is that no, you have to basically say that uh, it's a multifaceted kind of thing. You have to recognize that unless X is solved, then Y will not happen. And so you have to have the holistic position about things that we can't do them all at once, but we have to prioritize them and recognize that once you finish this thing and you've developed progress significantly, then you need to take on the next thing. Because if you leave several of those out, then the situation is going to remain. You're going to have a, 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 a situation in which there will still be these people who are outside of the mainstream, there will still be people who are in poverty, there are still people who don't have the money to pay for education and things of that nature. So it's a continuing thing, and that's what life is about. Uh, you take on what are the immediate, most important things, and then you sort of phase them in, and then you move on to the next thing. Discrimination yeah. uh, it exists everywhere. Yeah. It, it seems uh, less apparent in, in running, mm -hmm. and potentially less apparent than, uh, than the mainstream in sports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? So, so we, as the everyday athlete, mm -hmm. It, uh, as, as runners are, are working hard to have this conversation and to listen, as you said. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of the athletes, professional athletes, uh, now that are, that, uh, are using their, their mm -hmm. you know, relative celebrity 
to push this conversation forward. And, and I think, you know, right before I was born, 1968, mm -hmm. Mexico City uh, and the award mm -hmm. ceremony mm -hmm. and what our American mm -hmm. athletes mm -hmm. did uh, to call attention uh, to, to, you know, to the civil rights movement mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. is, this, is this the right thing to do for, for athletes to use their celebrity? Oh, I think it's very important. It is amazing how much not only children but adults listen to what athletes say. If they're very popular athlete, that's why people want their endorsement. Uh, if they're in politics, it's why they want to say to the, uh, uh, the, the organizations that you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to hire more folks there. You need to uh, do those things that will help uplift uh, black people, poor people, all uh, minorities, as well as whites uh, at, at the same time. And I think it's a long time coming because you only usually in the past have a, uh, a small number of those athletes because they somehow feel that they may uh, not be hired. They may be blackballed. You'd have those kinds of things like uh, Kurt Flood when he spoke up for free agency and, uh, and people like Jim Brown and Kareem uh, Jabbar. All those guys were among the few. And I think now they believe that that is part of their role, their responsibility. Uh, it's a long time coming, and I think it, we've already seen it. How many things have actually uh, happened as a result of these high-profile athletes doing those things? And uh, you, uh, uh, you should be glad that we're doing that, because now that it has such a high profile, then you have a situation in which more corporations seem to be responding to that. I mean, everything from taking uh, their um, uh, advertisements from folks who are guilty of uh, discrimination and trying to use their power to, in fact, make sure that they will be part of this group as we work together who will, in fact, improve the quality of life for uh, those who are less, uh, let's say, able to articulate and to say those things that need to be said because those folks are more likely to have people who will follow them. And I think hopefully we will have a lot more of that and it will move along the progress and the integration and the uh, uh, things that uh, need to be done. So, and follow up on the Peachtree and this is sort of mm -hmm. my last okay. question. Okay. When, when I, as the race director of the Peachtree, stand at the finish line for a few hours and, and see you know, the mass of humanity mm -hmm. coming mm -hmm. down, celebrating the 4th of July yeah. together. Uh, I, I, I see sort of almost sort of this utopian existence of, yes. of black and white runners yes. enjoying the 4th of July together. Yes. Has it always been that way at the Peachtree, or, or has that been an evolution? As, as well? long as I've been running uh, the Peachtree, uh, first one in 1979, and as I said, it just seems like, I don't know what it is that, uh, runners are the least, I guess you might say, racist. Maybe that's wrong word to you, but I've never really had any problem with anyone that I've been running with who is a different color uh, than I am, or even a different sex than I am. As I said, I don't know what it's about, but uh, even my daughter up in Spokane, Washington, where Don Cardone <laughs> you know, does the race, it's 72,000 people one time. And there are people from churches, like my daughter, she, she still does it. Uh, she was in track. 
Uh, and uh, it, I don't know what it is about runners, but it has, in fact, a unique, it creates a neat feeling among people. We're all interested in health. We're all interested, it seems like, in sisterhood and brotherhood. And we're all interested in achieving the same goal, to do those things that will keep us health, healthy and safe and, uh, and, and meet other people. I think a lot of people do it. You see that after the race, even if some folks, uh, we have people who will come by and we'll offer them drinks and things like that. After the peach tree, you're up on the hill, guys come by, they don't have a bottle or we have some, they, they, they may have a bottle or something, but they don't have any food. We always bring enough for uh, several dozen more when we go up there. And we've been doing that, the club itself, for, well, since we started running. That was when all, several of us, 10 of us uh, ran in, in, in 79. So what I've heard from you today is that uh, the running community is not perfect. That's right. We, we've got work ahead. No of us, one is. Uh, but we've got a bit of a head start uh, uh, ahead of, if you will, the you know the the, the, the general culture here yeah. in the United yeah. States. Yeah. Uh, and we need to lean into that common ground that that we have. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, and I still believe, as I said, I am an optimist, and I think that uh, people now are more concerned about their health, and I think that's why you have an increase in the number of people who run or who walk and things of that nature, and I think with this conversation, that is, it's sad that it took this kind of conversation to begin to highlight what the discrepancies are, what the... Uh, 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 problems are, and if we can continue that, uh, then I think we'll all be uh, better off, and we'll all learn how to live together, try to build together, how to do those things which will make uh, not only Atlanta, but the nation and the world uh, a better place for our children and our grandchildren.